subscribe to the Hit That Line Podcast Network. This podcast is powered by the pros at Pascal Air Plumbing and Electric. Arkansas owned, Arkansas operated. GoPascal.com. You're listening to the Bud Light Morning Rush Podcast. Bud Light, proud sponsor of Arkansas Athletics. I'm always high on the hogs, guys. <laughs> I'm high. Well, I'm not high right now, but my day is young. My odometer's way up there. I'm that 2018 that's already got 130,000 miles on it. The Razorbacks rush across the field to get that boot. Tommy, Chuck, and Ty, you guys are the gold standards of sports talk radio. He bleeds to Arkansas. Ty's got good hair. We really felt like we'd come beat LSU tonight. Chuck, they almost did it, man. I don't know. He said something similar to you in the, the post game as well on the radio. But, man, they, they played about as, as good as they could get on Saturday at points. Yeah, I mean, they competed hard. It was a heck of a game. And if you're a Razorback fan, which obviously we are, and most of the people who are listening are, the wrong team won. But, um, you know, it was, it was a good football game. It was a really good football game. And it lived up to the billing in terms of SEC quarterbacks. And I know that their guy came out on the high side. But if you were just a casual college football fan, which I know a lot of people were watching that game as that on Saturday night. I mean, Daniels and Jefferson delivered. And you didn't have this matchup last year because K.J. was hurt. Two years ago, Daniels, of course, wasn't in LSU. He was playing in Arizona. That was a great quarterback matchup we had in front of us Saturday. Yeah, they both competed. I mean, they both really just, uh, I mean, they're the leaders of their team. Daniel certainly is for LSU, and he's improved immensely since he got to Baton Rouge. I mean, he really has. He's got a complete game now, and he really didn't last year. And I wondered after watching them play their first game this year if he had one now. But I think he's answered all those questions, and he's a great one. And ours is pretty good, too. So they just, uh, I mean, they just went back and forth. And in the end, LSU got that field goal. It helps when you have a one-two punch like Brian Thomas Jr. and Malik Neighbors. Both of them went for over 130 receiving yards. Both of them had two touchdowns. Speed, size, That's a that might be the best one-two punch in the SEC. They're really good, and they've done it against everybody. I mean, Neighbors has done that against everyone from Florida State on. He's caught 32 passes already this year through four games, and uh, I think Thomas has caught 25 now, if I'm not mistaken, and both those guys are good. They were highly recruited. They're really fast. And there are not a lot of defenses out there that are going to be able to handle those guys. And, Nobody and, has so far. I'll put it that way. And they're tied in. Mason Taylor's missed some time, but uh, caught what three he passes. He's going to be a problem moving forward for LSU opponents. He's a good player. Now their strength is throwing the deep ball. Uh, that's their strength, and that's how they're going to score. And in a different situation, you might see Taylor be the go-to guy. I do think there's a comfort level there between Daniels and Taylor. There's no doubt. He's a good player. I wouldn't trade ours for him, just to be honest. But um, he's a good player. But their strength offensively is throwing that deep ball to those receivers. They are really good. They run good routes. Uh, and it's not just speed with those guys, although that's a big part of it. I know that Arkansas receivers stepped up big. Tommy, you have this. I don't think they had a drop, and maybe I'm misremembering something. I know Luke has was the story offensively Saturday night along with KJ, but I mean Armstrong's touchdown got called back because of holding play. Broden had that deep. That was a great catch on his part, but they were a big factor, and I thought they could take advantage of LSU secondary, and they did exactly that on Saturday. 
Saturday night. Well, they came to play. You know, both sides, I think, if you want to be real honest about it, both sides probably have a deficiency or two on the back end. And those were exploited. You know, Arkansas was able to do some things. You know, LSU's strength, there, there, there's no question, LSU's strength's in the front seven or, or front six, you know, however you want to term it now. But um, Arkansas took advantage of some things. They certainly did. And, you know, Razorbacks came to play. And I, I just kind of think the prevailing sentiment today, and I may be wrong if people text and call and tell me I'm wrong, I'll, I'll, I'll accept that. But I think my sense with – Razorback fans is right now. Perhaps the loss Saturday night heightened the disappointment over losing to BYU. But I also think people feel like that there's not anybody out there on the Razorback schedule right now that with a performance like the one they put forth Saturday night, they can't beat. Uh, that includes everybody the rest of the way. Doesn't mean they will. Doesn't mean they'll play the same kind of game every time out. I mean, they were ready to go Saturday night. He had them at a fever pitch. If you play like that every Saturday, you're going to win more than you lose the rest of the way. I don't have any doubt about saying that. Um, but I do think that, you know, gosh, if you'd been 3-0 and going into this game and you'd lost in that fashion, uh, you'd still feel really, really good about the way things are going to go. Chuck, you've seen every SEC game the Razorbacks have played. I mean, the end of game strategy was it's so rare. And, you know, everybody's got an opinion. A, what did you think? And B, if have you ever seen the Razorbacks in a, in a spot where actually letting the other team score was a reasonable thing to do? Well, it was discussed. We discussed it. ESPN's guys discussed it. They discussed it on the sidelines and in the press box. Ultimately, though, and, and we kind of came to this conclusion on the broadcast that, yeah, you can let them score, but that doesn't mean they're going to score. You know, Kelly called that timeout. It was a really smart timeout. He ran down the sidelines and called that timeout. And I know what he was going over with him there. It was almost like basketball strategy at the end of a game. He's, I mean, I'm sure he told him, if they let us score, you take a knee. You take a knee at the one-yard line. You do not score. And I'm sure that was his strategy. And Pittman said that after the game. He said, yeah, we talked about it. But ultimately, we felt like if we did that, they'd take a knee. And we'd be in the same spot anyway. So they made the decision. And look, you're picking between the devil and the deep blue sea right there. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's no good option. But they they opted to try to jar the ball loose and or block the field goal. And so didn't work out. But it wouldn't have worked out. You know, in retrospect, they could have parted the sea. And all LSU would have done, a guy would have stood there with the ball, and then he'd have taken a knee. You ever recall... A scenario like that, I, I can't in a Razorback game, but you, I've seen it before, but I don't recall it in one of yeah. Arkansas's games. Yeah, I mean it. it it's, so, it's so rare, even in football, that to to find yourself where that yeah. those are your options at the end of the game, and uh, I can't recall a Razorback game where that was you know reasonably on the table. I have and seen none it. of the options were good. No, no, all no. of them, all of them had a very, very, very small chance of working. Yeah, because right. to your point, you wouldn't have any timeouts, and you would have had to score with about two or so minutes maybe under two minutes in that point in time. What I have seen defenses implore before is grab the running back and pull him into the end zone at that point. That has been a strategy that some have used. But that they wouldn't have gotten that close. I'm sure, again, those are some of the things he went over with in that timeout. It was a really good timeout by yeah. Kelly. Man. I mean, the, the clock was a bigger friend than a touchdown at that point for LSU. So winding down the clock was their strategy. Now, hey, Coach said something. So everyone's mad at Pittman for calling those three timeouts in the third quarter. Chuck, I, I know he talked about it after the game, that the clock was moving fast. And he felt like, I mean, were the refs not 
not not spotting the ball, but were they were they going too slow on recent? Where L, I know LSU was strategy. I don't sometime. know about that. I, I don't. I don't. I don't. I don't know about that. I know that when you, you know, when you spend those three timeouts early on like that, nine times out of ten, it's it's going to come back and grab you later. And that's exactly you know what happened. You you knew you knew the second. I mean, okay, you got the first one, left you with two, and then. Watching on TV and listening to you guys on the radio, when when KJ called that second one, headed in. I mean, you wanted to get the right play and all that there, but but you knew right then that was going to be problematic when the second one was called that early. Well, you always wonder. I mean, you always wonder, and most of the time that is how it works out in a close ball game. You know, you wish you had it, and um, I'm sure Arkansas did wish they had it. You know, Pittman lamented that after the ball game. And, yeah, I mean, it was one of those situations where I think you kind of wondered in the back of your mind, would that be an issue later? So if you're Texas A&M, would you not do this? And I know it's it's not going to be – it's going to be loud in AT&T Stadium on Saturday at 11 o'clock, but it's not going to be the same, again, one-sided that we heard on Saturday night. Would you do the same thing and stem and do the pre-line movement like LSU did? Because it seemed to work. I mean, six false starts. Tight ends, offensive line, I would think. I know. I think that had a lot more to do with the ability of LSU's players to get off the line of scrimmage maybe than the movement. I mean, look, lots of guys move. I mean, lots of teams move. It's not like that's a novel idea, frankly. Um, I think their movement, their false starts, the things that happen there, I think that had a lot more to do with the ability of LSU's guys. But um, – I wouldn't. I wouldn't read too much into that. All right, let's talk to Jr. this morning on the McClarty Daniel Hotline. Jr. Welcome into the conversation, man. How's it going? Hey, Jr. Hey, I was really impressed with Dominion um, hitting the hole hard. He he seemed like he was going north and south, uh, and that, that seemed like what a lot of the backs have been lacking in the last games. Uh, too much dancing around in the backfield. But it seemed like he hit the hole hard, and it seemed like it paid off for him really well. Uh, the other question I had on that horse collar tackle that we got, mm. it, it looked like, uh, I don't know what the rule is on that, but it didn't look like he had a hold of his, his shoulder pad up toward the neck on the replay. But the defender, or the offensive guy, also had a hold of the face mask <clears throat> of our tackler. So what's, what's the rule on that? I've seen Mark Curls there. I'm ready for him to retire. I think he had part in that that review on that touchdown. I don't know which part it was, but he doesn't like Arkansas. We know all. We all know that. So anyway, well, let's 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 not get. Yeah. Off on the curls thing. I mean, he, he didn't. Have <laughs> He's the to do center with that. judge. He had nothing to do with it. Now, now let me say this: <laughs> I, I, I do think it was a horse collar, and I do think there was a face mask on the yeah, play. I do think that. I had that written down. There's a couple calls I wanted. So, what, what is the rule on that? I mean, the the rule not is not the horse collar, the face mask aspect that Chuck's talking about. Well, the face mask wasn't called. Yeah. So I mean, it, so it should have been called. Play. Well, well, let me let me maybe so, but you it watch, wasn't. You watch a lot of football. How many face masks you see on a stiff arm ever called on the running? I'm back? not. I, I'm not asking that. I'm asking should have been called. Was that because I, I initially thought, well, maybe I'm wrong thinking that. It would so, be a, a rare. It would be a rare call. Was it a face mask? Yes. 
is that normally called? I mean, we all watch a lot of college football. We all watch a lot of pro football. How many face masks have you ever seen called on the running back? Because that would have, at that point, brought the Yeah, play but let's back. not get caught up in that because yeah. it wasn't called. Yeah. I, I mean, it makes it sound like, normally, oh, yeah, you know, they just called the face mask, Arkansas would have won. And that's no. not the case. No, I mean, but, but that, you just don't see that call. I, I, that would be the outlier in a normal, because we often see the running back with a hand on the, on the face mask, grasping a hold of the defender. And I, I think but the, now let me say this. Just let never me called. say this. It should be called. I don't, I'm not arguing that. Because they use that face mask as leverage. Mm-hmm. They use it as leverage. And you know this, Tommy, and anyone that's played knows this. I mean, you, you, you use that if you're an offensive player when it's not just the stiff arm. You're using that face mask as leverage, and it should be called. Mm-hmm. Now, you're right. It's very rarely called, but it should be called. It should be called more often. Because that's a real advantage for the offensive guy. I don't argue any of that. I'm just, you know, but my point is that the one you just backed up here is you just rarely see that. If you watch enough snaps, you watch enough games, you're not going to see that even though you're going to see the similar action. Well, let's have a point of emphasis. Let's have one of those (laughs) points of emphasis next year. Yeah, we'll put that right next to shortening replay legs. Jimmy's in Conway on the McClarty Game Hotline. Jimmy, welcome into the program, man. Top of the morning to you. Hey, I want to say I made the trip, and, well, our experience at LSU was a great experience. We never had any fans be disrespectful, say anything ugly to us at all. Very nice people. Now, if you've gotten down there and been disrespectful and run your head or something, I could see it could turn ugly for you in a hurry. But they were nice folks. We enjoyed it. But I'm more worried about the defense. There's things I, I see on defense with BYU and with LSU. It's just we're giving up way too much. I want something done. I, I mean, that, I, I'm not worried about the offense. You put up 31 points on the road at LSU. That's enough. That should be enough to win the game. The defense just, I don't know. We've got some talent, but something's. Something's not clicking. They're not getting the job done. And that's where I think the issue is, guys. What do you think? Well, I, I, I think there were two different games, number one, and this is why. In the BYU game, Arkansas's defense, I mean, they gave up 281 yards. They were playing against a short field a good portion of that game. And, again, the, the point totals, I think, are more reflective of the loss of the field position battle than the total yards. Again, it's very rare that you see a team score 38 points with 281 yards of offense without, you know, maybe two defensive scores. You know, it's very rare that a team gets to that point. In the LSU game, I think there were some instances right at the end of the first half and then obviously in the third quarter where... Daniels got into a rhythm, just like K.J. got into a rhythm. LSU couldn't stop K.J., but Daniels got into a rhythm. That throw that he made, and again, if you watch LSU's games prior to this one, that is the strength of their offense, is neighbors and Thomas throwing that ball deep. And Daniels throws a great deep ball. Um, Look, here's the story. Arkansas has got a really good collection of defensive backs. The operative word there is good. Uh, that's not a secondary that is laden 
with five-star prep All-Americans. I wish it was. But here's the thing. Very few of them are. And the ones that do have that kind of defense in our league are Georgia and Alabama. Those are the two teams in our league right now that can hang with that kind of stuff. I mean, the rest of us are just kind of hoping. Hoping you play a great game. Hoping guys can overachieve to a great extent. And that's LSU's strength. And that's what they play to. And with those two guys, there are only two teams in our league that can really match up with that. And they took advantage of it. And I think you just got to give them credit. I would suspect very strongly when you look at what Texas A&M's done, and I know Bobby Petrino is, I mean, he has mythical status in our state. But they lost their starting quarterback. They got some issues down there right now. They haven't exactly been setting the world on fire offensively. I'll bet you when we get done Saturday that the chorus is, man, our defense got a lot better. And some of that's going to have to do with who you play. Yeah. Well, the, the big thing that uh, you look at Saturday morning, and, and I know we're still talking about LSU, but A&M had, and I know it's Auburn, but they had 15 tackles for loss in that game. That's It's going to be another challenge up front for Arkansas's offensive line, who I thought played really well on Saturday. I thought they got a lot better. They have got to clean up the penalties. They've Ooh. got to clean up the penalties. And uh, that is something that may very well be an oncoming or an ongoing process. In my mind, that is one of the byproducts of an inexperienced offensive line. That's one of the byproducts. You look at any team with an inexperienced offensive line, you're going to have penalties. And we're inexperienced at a couple of spots. Although I will say this, Devin Manuel gutted it out, and I thought played a heck of a ball game on Saturday mm-hmm. night. So there's improvement there. But you're right. I, I mean, that's, that's the battle. That's always the battle. Uh, and uh, I know that Coach had some comments on that after the game. Here's why he said some of those penalties happened during the LSU game. The atmosphere certainly has something to do with it. I mean, we'd be a fool, you know, not to think that it did. But we had some checks in, obviously, for depending on what front they were in. We just weren't getting set fast enough, and the clock was fast tonight. And they were standing over it, and then we subbed. And when we subbed, they stood over it again, and we got in trouble. And so we ended up quit substituting during the live ball drive. But it's our fault. It's nobody's fault. The crowd did play a part of it, and they did exactly what we thought they was going to do. We thought they was going to stem because it's loud, and we worked on it, and evidently we got to come up with some other way to get that handled. Again, mentioned the, the tight ends also because people just wanted to blame the offensive line for the penalties. I, I think it was three and three, if I remember that right. Three up false starts from the offensive line, three from the tight ends to this point. I felt bad for Sam. You heard the back noise. I don't know where they did the postgame press conference, but he's having to, to field these questions while there's a bunch of ambient noise going on in that background. But hopefully that will not be an issue come this Saturday in AT&T Stadium because you'd hate to have penalties be the reason once again where you lose a tight football game. Yeah. And, I mean, you really look at the drive chart, and he's talking about the, the quick clock. Arkansas ended up with 68 snaps for the game. That's what, what's shown. But, you know, that series at the end of the first half after the score from LSU was – you got the ball to 37. You got three plays with six yards. That is 23 seconds is all that's left on the clock. Three legitimate drives in the second half, and then you had the one pass at the end of the game, Chuck. There, there wasn't a lot of opportunities to score in the second half. Well, no. Um, Arkansas really dominated the time of possession in the first half. But I, I, I think one of the things we saw, and this is just kind of where this football team is right now, 
we don't have as much margin for error as the other guys. And if you noticed in the first half, and it, and, and it was this way into the second half too, I mean, we're working like crazy. The Razorbacks are working like crazy for every point. I mean, you know, five, six, seven-minute drives. you got to convert on third down. always seems like, you know, K.J.'s got to run for 25. I mean, they're throwing deep, scoring in, you know, two or three plays. Mm-hmm. And, you know, Arkansas, I, you know, some of it was by design, I know. Some of it was by design to keep the ball out of LSU's hands. But I thought Arkansas had to work a little bit harder for some of their points, to be real honest about it. Let's go back to the McClarty-Daniel hotline where Sterling is this morning. Sterling, welcome in, man. Hey, guys. Chuck uh, hits the nail on the head when he talks about some fans. And I'm, I'm one of those fans that that performance made to Ellis at the BYU game that much more sickness. And it wasn't like we played a perfect game. Too many pre-snap penalties. You know, holding holding calls, you know, I'm one of those guys that believe you can call it every play. Uh, so I don't get totally down. And, and if you do it, and if that's the reason why you scored in the first place, well, you know, that don't, that don't upset me too bad. But the pre-snap penalties, it was just my joke. And uh and, and we just getting too many, too many, too many of those and, and not con- converting the red zone. And I and I'm not one of those that get the bat for bouncing it out earlier this season. I mean, when you when you run a play and and ninety percent of the time it's nothing there, you sometimes you know, you have a creature of habit, but it ain't fair, I better that I bounced this out early. So, you know, and I know it's a young offensive line, I'm gonna have patience. And I, and I was happy with how Pittman conducted the post-game uh, press conference. Y'all guys know I'm I'm big on that. I mean, if you're going to be a, a jack wagon, uh, be a jack wagon for start to finish. I mean, I just want you, I, I don't want a pony up there answering questions and answering questions to, to the best of your ability. But it, uh, all in all, I, I, I want to see, I need to see more performance like this before I get too happy because the three three this game was, was was pretty bad for the most part, and then this and this game was pretty good. I mean, except you know KJ being KJ, that that helps a lot. But uh, I'm not hanging off faith on this team. But I, I need to see uh, their performance. And like Kitten said, better coaching. I mean, they they run the clock fast. You have to adjust. It's like the players got adjust. You have to adjust. But you know, I'm not trying to run everybody, anybody off, but everybody, everybody got room to get better. And that, that starts from the top down. Guys, uh, y'all had a great day. And Tommy, you have one question. Yeah. When you see that offensive, when you see that offensive guy putting that face back, do you call it? When you, when you're with? <laughs> yeah, man. Do you call it? Yeah. Well, I'm a referee. I'm in the middle of the field. I'm the White Hat, so I'm not ever out there. That's, that's, it's not his call. It's not, yeah, I'm not looking out there, Sterling. It's not, not his call. That's <laughs> the fallback. That's no. not my call. Yeah. <laughs> it's not my call, Coach. No. No. Golly. Speaking of that, you, know, you ref Saturday night. Laura Christian skull dragged PA on Friday night. I mean, goodness gracious, I did not expect it that. Was hey, a dominant let me go back to what. Let me go back to what Sterling said before the segment wraps up here. <clears throat> People are ready to win a game. All this stuff about getting better and mm-hmm. doing all this stuff, close, no cigar, people are ready to win a game. That's the bottom line, and that's when the chirping will stop, and it won't stop until then. 
Well, you mentioned, and I think you brought up a good point, Arkansas is in a situation right now where they have less room for error. Unfortunately, they're the worst team in the SEC in making their errors when it comes to penalties, and they're top 15 in all of college football. That has to get fixed if they're going to get out of this 0-2 hole because they're still in close ball games, but you're not going to win those close ball games if you keep making bonehead mistakes. The Arlington Resort Hotel and Spa has everything you want for your next getaway. With the luxury and hospitality of a grand old southern hotel, the accommodations are sure to please everyone. Visit our thermal water bathhouse for mineral water baths and massages or enjoy one of our many dining options, like our Friday night seafood buffet, primetime in a fountain room every Saturday night, or our award-winning Sunday brunch. Located in downtown Hot Springs, the Arlington is steps away from shopping, entertainment, bathhouse row, and the hiking and biking trails of the National Park. Visit ArlingtonHotel.com for more information. Call or text the McClarty Daniel Hotline at 877-377-6963. McClarty Daniel, a vehicle for every lifestyle. When you're looking for a new car, you want to shop for a vehicle you love with an organization you trust. You've probably heard that McCarty Daniel means making deals, but what I'm inspired by the most is that McCarty Daniel means making a difference in our community. When you buy a vehicle with McCarty Daniel, you reinvest right here in the community in our schools, in our little leagues, in our food banks, and our people. So you're not just making a purchase, you're making a difference too. Come see us at any of our six locations in Northwest Arkansas. Bet Online is your number one source for all your betting needs. Get the latest odds, lines, and matchup reports for baseball, boxing, golf, and more. Bet Online continues to be the fastest and easiest way to place your wagers, including live betting and your favorite casino and card games available to play right from your phone. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and get in on the action. Remember to use our promo code BELIEVE. That's B L E A V. Your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet online where the game starts. You're listening to the Bud Light Morning Rush Podcast. Bud Light, proud sponsor of Arkansas Athletics. Let's talk to George, who's in Missouri this morning. George, welcome into the Morning Rush. What's going on, guys? I am currently driving through Springfield this morning, listening on stream. And I'll tell you what, I am uh, I, I'm, I'm with Chuck this morning. I think uh, I think there's a lot of positives come out of this game, um, and I got to tell you, I, living in Missouri and not getting Chuck's broadcast sucks. I'm just going to tell you that right now. I would listen to Chuck all day long on the radio if I could, um, but I can't get it here. Can't stream it. Can't do nothing. So I got to figure that out. But anyway, um, so I just want to throw some love to Chuck. I I, I tell you. Um, I wanted to touch on something that I don't hear anybody talking about. No, I'm... How long... I'm sorry, go ahead. No, no, no. You go ahead. I misunderstood. You take <laughs> off. No. Uh, I, I just wanted to touch on something that nobody else, I, I feel, has really uh, talked about. How long has Brian Kelly, Lane Kiffin, Nick Saban, all these big coaches been a head football coach. And the reason I say that, Sam Pittman's been a head coach for four years, total. He has not been a head coach in a collegiate program till Arkansas. And I feel like people forget that when when he makes some of the decisions he makes, when he makes some of the uh, the questionable calls, whatever you want to call it. 
the man's still learning. And we have a young team. And quite frankly, we have a young head coach in four years total in his career. So I just wanted to get your guys' opinion on that. Now hang up and listen. Thanks, George. Um, I, I think where we're Arkansas fans would push back, I think there's a that's a valid point that you just made. And, and Sam Pittman's also been a head coach at a, a different level of football, D1-wise. This is his, his fourth year. I think some fans would tell you that they don't care, that they still expect certain things to be fixed, they still expect certain things. And whether that's right or whether that's a reach, I think you would probably get that pushback from some of our listeners this morning. I don't think what you're saying is unfair there, and I'm 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 sure you're right about that. I think everybody, you know, everyone grows into their job. Mm-hmm. I don't care who you are, or what you do, everybody grows into their job, and you know, you're going to have instances, I guess, in every profession where. You know, the, the the more seasoned guy comes out on top, and people generally point to the fact that he's the more seasoned guy, and that's why. Sometimes that's true, sometimes it's not. Um, I won't take issue with a lot of the decisions that Coach Pittman's made, or, or really a lot of the other coaches, you know, in games that you see. Um Again, there are plays that you focus on where, man, I, you know, I wish we'd made a different decision there. But, you know, I also thought, too, when they ran that fake field goal and it worked, and I know they didn't get ultimately a touchdown out of that, but, you know, we've run a lot of fakes over the last two or three years. Most of them work, you know. So there are in-game decisions that have worked and there are in-game decisions that haven't. When a guy's not as experienced, you tend to focus on the ones that don't work, and I get that. Yeah. Out of the hold of Max Fletcher, Little trying to pull Arkansas within one. They run the fake. They run the fake. Fletcher keeps it. He's got the first down. He's inside the 15-yard line. Hogs ran the fake, and they'll get a fresh set of downs. Tuck, I got to ask you. I know touchdowns, game winners, and stuff like that are great, but is there anything outside of that more exciting than a fake punt or a fake field goal as a broadcaster? Well, as long as you pick it up, it's great. If you don't pick it up, it's disaster. <laughs> but uh, sometimes you can get faked out, too. But yeah. um, they like to run them. And if you really stop and think about the last two or three years, we've had some big fakes and big games, and generally they've worked. Yeah. Bama, LSU, those are some of the notable ones that come to mind recently. I want to come back to coaching experience. I, got, I have an opinion on this. I think there's a lot of experience. You called them seasoned head coaches. They're having to relearn the job, and I know the call was probably, and the question was was more about X's and O's and one-on-one football stuff, but you think about NIL and you think about Portal. You think about seasoned guys, and Saban's the first name that comes to mind. How many guys have had to relearn the job in the last three or four years because the job has changed? I mean, so... I mean, and Sam has come into being a head coach at a time where there's not been a more seismic shift in the sport and how you manage the job, how you manage the roster. You're having to cut up money that is handed to you in this NIL envelope, and you got to figure out how to disperse that amongst your team. I mean, I think even the seasoned guys right now are having to relearn a lot of things about the job. No doubt, and I think probably along the way they've 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 maybe coached a little bit different than what they did before. You know, the conversations that I've had over the years with with head coaches, um, not just in football but in other sports, it's those quick decisions that can sometimes make you or break you, and those are the hardest decisions to make. We talk about in a game sudden change. 
How does a team react to sudden change? You know, you have situations in games that come up like that for coaches, and you've got to be two or three plays ahead of the whole deal. Dave Van Horn used to say that the hardest thing in his job was knowing when to pull a pitcher. Um, I think there's there's the game within the game for a lot of these head coaches, and it's knowing when to do what at a certain time. And, look, here's the thing about Pittman. You know, if he was one of these young offensive hot shots who was about 38, 39 years old, and he was a whiz kid, and it was his first head coaching job, and he was getting it largely because his offense put 30, 40 points per game up on the scoreboard, and that's why he's a head coach, sell some tickets. That's a guy that inexperience comes into play. You know, that's a guy that inexperience comes into play every day in what Tommy was talking about a minute ago and in the in-game decisions. Pittman's been around the block a thousand times. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I don't think and, – and the one thing that I will say about coaches that I've also noticed too is, you know, every one of them, you know, in their mind, they're a head coach. I, I mean, they're, they, they, you know, they got the game going on within their mind. You know, I'll give you an example. I stood behind Paul Eels for years and years and years. But I was doing the game in my mind the whole time. And that's what these guys are doing, too. The game's playing out in these assistant coaches' minds as well. And so I'm sure along the way, Sam Pittman has thought to himself, if I'm a head coach, this is how I'm going to do it. If I'm a head coach, we're not going to do it this way. We're going to do it this way. So I, 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 th- I think that it's, it's less of a factor with a guy his age, frankly, than someone if they were 38, 39, 40 years old. I'll take a, and I'm not picking on him right now, everybody else is, but I'll take a P.J. Fleck as an example or a young offensive hotshot coach. Those are the guys where I think inexperience comes into play, and I probably shouldn't have mentioned his name. But but um, I do think it might be a poor example, but I do think there are young coaches out there who inexperience does come into play in the way they run their program, and, and it reflects itself in in-game decisions. And I don't think that's going to be – and I don't think it has been an issue with Pittman as much as it might be a younger guy. You use that word program. There's a difference in team and program as far as – parts of the job you do and you got to have a blueprint to build a program there's a lot more to it than just what we're going to do on third and two there's a difference between coaching or managing a game and running a program right i've always believed that there are lots of good coaches game managers guys that if you had one game to win if you had one game to win with a gun to your head and i'd want that guy but that guy doesn't always run the best program and so it's not always sustainable um, the one thing that I do like about Pittman, and I think, and, and I said this the other day, and it comes from being around it a lot, there is no comparison to the daily foundation of our program now and where it was before he became our head coach. No comparison. And, you know, I want to win too, and so does everybody else. And hopefully those are coming soon. But we are on the right track. And I know that's not any consolation this morning, but we are on the right track. So I was talking with Big C this morning. He wasn't in the best of moods. Arkansas lost. <laughs> Cowboys lost. Oh. Chuck, what the oh. heck happened yesterday? I know they lost Trayvon Dak Dix this week. Oh. Dak happened. Yeah, he Dak didn't, happened yesterday. He didn't give any fantasy was, points. That moron threw a pick in the red zone. He had no time to throw. Oh, well, here's the thing. Here's the thing. They got, what, 14 more games? I mean, the NFL season goes on for an eternity. Guys take weeks off. Cowboys took a uh, – now, Diggs' injury probably had something to do with it. I just thought emotionally they weren't there all day, and Dak was Dak at the end of the day. 
One red z- or one touchdown and five red zone trips. Oh. You thought Arkansas's red zone woes were bad? Dallas's were horrible. And I know they had some offensive line that were sitting out in this game, but that the other thing was like the rushing defense. It wasn't just the passing defense. It wasn't just Josh Jobs, but James Conner and that crew ran all over Dallas yesterday. They didn't play a great defensive game. There's no doubt. They played uninspired defensively. But they still had a chance to come back and win that game. And Dak, I just drives me nuts. Yeah. I'll just leave it at that. He drives me nuts. Well, that was, again, a big storyline yesterday. Other big storyline that's not just a football one, but Taylor Swift was sitting up with uh, Mama Kelsey in now the Kansas City box, and that they walked out of the game together. That was a huge, not oh. just football story, but a national story yesterday. As it was shown on that, like, three-second video of them walking lips? by. Oh, no, they, yeah, they were analyzing lips. the lack of hand-holding. <laughs> The lack oh, of hey, uh, Taylor Swift. I mean, Travis Kelsey's football famous. There's nothing wrong with being football famous, no. but Taylor Swift is famous, famous. Yeah. I mean, she's like Dion. She's famous, famous. Yeah. And uh, probably bigger than that, even. Yeah. How about the Miami Dolphins? Holy smoke, seventy points. Seventy, baby. Ooh, beat the beat the Broncos down by. Hey, when They're you a get, fun team to when watch. When you get beat man. by fifty, that's uh that's noteworthy in the NFL. Sean they Payne. are a fun team to watch. Sean Payne was just. So mad in the press conference, got into it with the reporter been. a little bit, but no, it wasn't just. I mean, it wasn't just Tyreek and Tua. They had Mostert and uh, A Chain go off their running game yeah. as well. Their speed is, uh, and is unbelievable. Good, yeah, A Chain's good. Prize Picks is the most fun I've had, winning up to twenty-five times my money this football season. Just select two or more players, pick more or less on their projected stats, and place your entry. Price Picks is a skill-based, real-money daily fantasy sports game. How does it work? Well, you pick two to six players, and if they will go for more or less than their Price Picks projection. Price Picks is really simple to play. You can make your picks and submit your entry in less than 60 seconds. Find out all about it at pricepicks.com HTL and use code HTL for a first deposit match up to $100. That's prizepicks.com slash HTL and use the code HTL for that first deposit match of up to $100. Must be present in certain states. Visit prizepicks.com for restrictions and details. Prizepicks.com, daily fantasy sports made easy. The year of the sauce continues at Buffalo Wild Wings. Introducing Bullet Bourbon Barbecue Sauce and the return of hot barbecue sauce to the Buffalo Wild Wings sauce lineup. Try both Bullet Bourbon Barbecue Sauce and Hot Barbecue Sauce for a limited time at your local Buffalo Wild Wings. Visit Buffalo Wild Wings in Little Rock, Sherwood, Bryant, Conway, Jonesboro, and Fort Smith. Buffalo Wild Wings. Wings, sauce, beer, and football. Hey, sports fans, don't let plumbing issues throw you off your game. Pascal Air Plumbing and Electric is here to tackle those pesky drain blockages and ensure your water heater is always in MVP form. With Pascal's world-class service, you can count on a winning play every time. Whether it's a quick drain clear or a water heater touchdown, Pascal's got the expertise to keep your home running smoothly. Stay in the game and leave the plumbing to the pros. Schedule your service online anytime at gopascal.com. Pascal Air Plumbing and Electric. You're listening to the Bud Light Morning Rush Podcast. Bud Light, proud sponsor of Arkansas Athletics. 
So we were talking about the line earlier between Arkansas and LSU, which I think opened at about 18, 18 and a half. The line for the Texas A&M game is out this weekend in Jerry World. 11 a.m., Arkansas will play on the SEC Network. I saw that was updated yesterday. It was either ESPN or SEC Network. Guys, Arkansas is a six and a half point underdog in this one heading to Arlington, Texas. We were talking about the history with Arkansas and LSU, the last four finishing with a three-point margin. Chuck, this is another series where when games shouldn't be close, they are. Uh, this line's fairly close within a touchdown, but I, w- I wouldn't expect to blow out either way in a series that's been fairly close for the most part. I don't expect a blowout either way. No, I, I don't. Uh, I don't know. Six and a half, I guess, sounds, you know, maybe that's right. I don't know. A lot of times these guys do know what they're doing. I'll give them that. So um, I think it'll be a close game. I think it'll be a one possession type game. And I think a lot of Arkansas fans feel like they can stay in that game because of their starting quarterback in K.J. Jefferson. Coach was very complimentary of number one following the game. I thought he threw the ball better. He obviously made some plays with his feet. They caused some really good read plays with him, reading the three technique, reading the nose guard. He made some good runs off of that. He pushed the pile forward several times on third down or a few times on third down to get first downs. He was competitive, and, you know, I think he came in wanting to show the world that he was a good quarterback as well as Daniels, and I think people think that. Couple things there. There was a third and nine initially in the first quarter. First quarter, Chuck. I think you talked about earlier. KJ scampered for about 20, 25 yards, and he made plays when his legs consistently had a couple good-looking deep balls. But uh, got a, got himself out of the pocket. I like how Dan Enos kind of tinkered with the offense a little bit to help him his starting quarterback on Saturday night. Well, I thought the key thing that Coach Pittman said there was he was competitive. And that's what I see every time he plays. And the bigger the moment, the bigger the game, the more competitive he becomes. He's been that way ever since he got here. Um, He rises to the occasion, meets the moment. He's that kind of player. But he's, above all other things, a competitor. And I think his competitive juices were flowing. I mean, they were flowing on Saturday night. And that's one of the reasons he played the way he played. Yeah, I mean, we talk about guys when the lights come on. He's he's just one of these guys, and I think we, you know, anyone that's got a competitive bone in their body finds that when the competition goes to another level, you you go to another level. Well, I mean, that's the kind of people know, you want to be around. We're going to hear from a guy at eleven o'clock with Phil, who was that way. Absolutely. You know, Matt was that way. Matt was a guy that the bigger the moment, the more competitive he became. Quinn was that way. If you can remember that far back, but uh, um, <laughs> there's the rib. There's the rib. Yeah. yeah, there we go. Yeah. But um, he was that way. All the great ones are. Mallet was that way, in a different way. You know, those were guys that uh, a lot of times made made plays with their legs. But those kind of guys compete, man. I mean, they they uh, the bigger the moment, the harder they go. You mentioned Matt Jones there. KJ tied him on Saturday night. Most yeah. touchdowns responsible for in Arkansas history was seventy. Unless something crazy happens, he'll pass Matt on Saturday. Yeah, he's played a little longer than Matt, I guess. But, um, man, Matt was great. KJ's great. Lucky to have gotten a chance to see them both. Hog Volleyball won this weekend. Took down Texas A&M 3-1. They're 2-0 in SEC play. And then the soccer team won as well. Only undefeated team in SEC play as they also beat Texas A&M. Their sixth straight victory for the against the Aggies. And Colby Hill's 150th 
career win. So congrats to both ladies' teams this weekend against Texas A&M. Hopefully we could be saying the same thing about the men's football team when they beat Texas A&M this weekend. That's going to do it for your Hog Update this morning. It is brought to you by our friends at Mr. Sparky. You don't have to put up with any malarkey. Call 888 8 We had a caller earlier talking about the LSU fans this weekend. Chuck, I had a few Tiger baits. I had a 17-year-old tell me to blank his blank uh the the next song i think for people that know the the song neck that you know what i'm talking about there but for the most part it was pretty cordial this weekend i don't know if you guys had any issues with the lsu fans but i mean it's it it wasn't as bad as i've heard in recent past all right now let me ask you a question Mm -hmm. was playing saturday night in death valley any tougher than playing at noon at georgia or in the middle of the afternoon in tuscaloosa they don't here's the thing chuck they don't care about arkansas the fans don't care well, no, what I'm saying is, 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 do you think that that atmosphere, whenever oh, we're going to play a Death Valley on Saturday night, do you think that was the difference Saturday night? I was underwhelmed. I mean, they announced 99,000, a little over 99,000. Well, there weren't 99,000. No, there was not. The upper deck, a lot of the upper deck seats were unfilled. I was underwhelmed, to be honest. I, I was, I'm not saying that I was underwhelmed. I'm just saying that, you know, sometimes we talk about it like, oh, you're, you know, you're walking into the lion's den, and 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 that's not really true. If you go out there and compete, um, that stuff doesn't matter as much as we make it out to. They just, you, you bring up Georgia, Sanford Stadium two years ago was insane for it being a twelve o'clock game. Tuscaloosa at night is, it's also the team you're playing, the coach you're having to match up against, but. The fact of the matter is, the team, it took LSU a quarter to wake up, and their fans don't care about Arkansas. They're well, let's not, give Arkansas a little bit no, of credit. No, no that's what, but we're, you're asking the LSU vantage point. And I, again, I, I brought up a lot of positives this morning, but they don't care. That, that, that is about as one-sided as a rivalry as a fan base, similar to Arkansas and Missouri, when Missouri fans care, Arkansas fans don't. They just don't care. Well, and, here's the thing, though, Ty. Fans don't play the game, and trophy games do matter to players. They do. Now, coaches will use anything and everything to motivate a team during the week, and whether it registers with us or not, I can guarantee you Brian Kelly talked about it. I know Sam Pittman did. I guarantee you they'll talk about that trophy this week. And they'll talk about it. I promise you both sides will talk about it when we play Missouri. And we'll be the ones then that don't want to talk about it. Um, But fans don't play the games. And how fans feel about a rivalry when the game begins really doesn't matter. And I hate to say that, but it's true. Um, Those kids were playing for that trophy. They were. We weren't, but they were. I can tell you this, you watch the post-game interviews, they were carrying that thing around. It was in the background of a lot of shots when they were interviewing players. So do now, with that what you want. They, you know, they were carrying that trophy around with some pride. The difference is we'll put it in the lobby and they'll put it in the back hallway. Yeah. Um, but, but, you know, that's just the truth. And that's fine. Doesn't matter. I don't care where they put it. Um, they want it, and I they deserve suggest. to have it. But my point is is that yeah, how here. LSU fans feel about Arkansas fans doesn't matter. Just like how we feel about Missouri doesn't matter. But It's I, decided on the field. I think certain times that mindset bleeds over to the players. They're on social media. They talk with their friends who are fans perhaps, that aren't players. But it bleeds, in my opinion, over to but games I think, like this. I think players get overconfident simply because they think they're better players. And that, there's some merit to that as well. 
At Joshua's Fine Jewelry, we specialize in getting you exactly what you want. Custom jewelry, professional repairs. We can even fix eyeglasses and other small trinkets. Now we offer services with a new laser engraving slash cutting machine. We can mark any shape or design you need. Company logos, fingerprints, religious symbols, even actual pictures can be engraved or just cut out into shape and preserved in metal forever. We can also engrave on other materials, glass, wood, plastic. Just ask. You can get what you want without settling for less. We can take any design or picture and turn it into a forever keepsake. Come see Nathan and let him tell you all the details. You can get exactly what you want at Joshua's Fine Jewelry in beautiful downtown Russellville. Core Jewelry! Have you tried Benville Brewing's new Space Goose Hazy India Pale Ale? It's handcrafted in Arkansas. You'll taste the great tropical citrus, including the passion fruit, the guava, and pineapple. It's creamy, zingy, and zows the taste buds. It's weird, wonderful, and wacky all at the same time. Try the new Space Goose Hazy India Pale Ale from Benville Brewing. So Tyron Broden gets the first start for him this season. Here was Coach after the game on that new lineup at wide receiver. First of all, we needed to play Broden more, and that was a way to get him out there, but we had to move Tesla to a slot, and we felt like Broden. When it Broden had cut that touchdown pass in the corner to go up 13-3, to we thought, you know, he's got experience, but we just hadn't got him on the field enough to kind of get in rhythm, so we felt like, let's get him in early. It's one of the best catches of the game on Saturday, Chuck, in the back corner of the end zone. Yeah, he made a great play, and I'm glad they're playing him more. You know, he caught a lot of touchdown passes at Bowling Green. I mean, he caught a lot of them when he was there. He's a good player, and he certainly can be a physical mismatch. I don't know if he catches that ball in the back of the end zone if he's not 6'7". I don't know. He might, mm-hmm. but he certainly had a better better chance at that height, and he made a great play. I like Tesla in the slot. And I know that people are clamoring for Satania, and Jaden Wilson had his moment too. But Arkansas is, in terms of their receivers, for Arkansas to be at their best, in my opinion, they've got to have Broden on the field. Tesla needs to be in the slot. Now, how much you rotate him with the other guys, I don't know. But I think Tesla is going to be best in the slot. And there's no question that if you have Armstrong and Broden as your wideouts, you got a chance. It's a tall, I mean, it's 6'4", Armstrong, Isaac's 6'4", 6'3", and then Broden's 6'7". They've talk, they were talking about on the television broadcast how tall Arkansas's wide receiver is. And the reason you put Tesla on the slot is because it points to the season he's gotten jammed up when he's been on the line of scrimmage. That allows him to be in motion and be off the line of scrimmage a lot of times, so he has more room to, to work right off and, and get open a little more. Because if he's open, he's Well, gonna... it's about the matchup, yeah. too. I, I'm, I mean, Tesla is going to have a hard time with some of the cornerbacks in our league, but you put him in the slot and you get him on a, you know, a in a perfect world, a linebacker. Mm-hmm. And uh, um, he gives you a better matchup there. You can take advantage of his his physical attributes there, his size and all that stuff, I think, better out of the slot than you can at a wide-out spot. Well, people like to throw around the term catch radius, particularly around draft time. These guys have good catch radiuses. And with a quarterback that, that sometimes can get it right on the money on the run and in, and in intermediate passing, these guys' ability to 
to go get a ball. There was a pass, I think, second pass of the game that was high, and you go up and you get that one. Um, th- there's just moments in the game where you see the ability of the wide receiver really come into play to complete well, the pass. And I think, though, that we have to, when we speak in terms of the passing game now, we have to talk about Luke has. Maybe yeah. Luke has first. You know, we, 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 you know, we talked about this last week. You could see this coming. And uh, I thought, I thought the best thing Pittman said after the game was he's a ball playing son of a gun, and uh, that's about the best way I know to put it. He can play. See, so, I, so I do think when you talk about the passing game now, you have to include number nine in every conversation. I mean, right. you got to have some cones to be a true freshman and your first road games in Death Valley. Two red zone touchdown, excuse me, two touchdowns in the fourth quarter of four or two point conversion. KJ threw it to him more than anyone else on the field that night too. Ball players don't care where you play. They don't care who's watching. They don't care if there's two people or 200,000. When the game starts, ball players play. And man has is a ball player. So is KJ. Uh, and they weren't the only ones. But, um, you know, playing in Death Valley again for a guy like Has doesn't matter. Yeah. So let me, let me spin forward a little bit for this week. 11 a.m., A&M. Rocket didn't even make the trip. Will we see Rocket Sanders this week? I mean, it, it sounds like things are expected to be on go uh, for him to get back into the action. Well, you know, we're just going to have to see. I, I, don't, I don't have the definitive answer on that, and I don't know that we're going to get the definitive answer on that today. May, may not. I don't know. But um, clearly they didn't think he was ready to play. And honestly, if you're not going to play him, there's no reason for him to go. Pittman will get asked that question at 12 o'clock today and probably three separate times on Wednesday. So hopefully we'll get a better answer about that. But the running, I mean, the running game wasn't a huge issue. The, what I kept seeing is the offensive line kept getting a push. We hadn't seen that this year. They And LSU's interior defensive line with Wingo and Smith is about as good as it gets. And at points, LSU was getting blown off the ball. The interior with Latham, Limmer, and Braun, that's potentially the best game they played all season. Now, you still have some issues. We talked about the full starts plenty of times this morning. But you go back and forth with the positives and negatives that you saw from the offensive line with points during this game. Well, I think it's also a product of K.J. as a runner now. You know, KJ, uh, uh, they've got to respect KJ. Now, you've got to play 11 on 11. It really wasn't that way the first couple of ball games. It really wasn't entirely that way against BYU, but it's that way now. And I do think that KJ's ability to run will, will and has and will continue to. Um, open up some things in terms of the running back. Offense looked like they got in a rhythm for the first time in a while. And gets, that's not like they were playing a sister of the poor. In LSU, while their secondary is not as great as it's been in years past, you still did that against an LSU defense. They were 8 of 13 on third down. They were 2 of 13 last game against BYU. You have 12 chunk plays, which I know that's been an issue for Arkansas at points this season. And they did some different things. I thought they put KJ in more RPO roles than we've seen to this point in the season. And maybe that's just Dan Eno's trying to acclimate more to his quarterback to this point. Well, I, I thought their offensive game plan overall was good. I, I, I didn't, um, you know, with the exception of, you know, the times when they shot themselves in the foot, I, I don't I don't have any issue at all with the way the offense played. You mentioned Isaiah Satania there, and we've had some textures here on the McClarty Daniel Hotline. If you want to jump in with us, feel free to do so at 877-377-6963. Had one return for 19 yards 
in the punt game. I, I still, again, I'm one of those guys that just wants to see him get one or two plays him the ball, whether it's a go route, whether it's a jet sweep. I just think he is too... Now you, I don't disagree with what the best three wide receivers are in a unit with Armstrong, Tesla, and Broden. I think that's been shown to this point to be the case. But I still think you try to utilize your best playmaker potentially at some point. I don't know if we'll see that in Dallas this weekend. I don't know if we'll see that at any point the rest of the way. But I think he's just too valuable a commodity to not use him whatsoever on offense. Well, he's a redshirt freshman. And I think that should be pointed out first above all other things. And I can assure you, if they felt like Isaiah Satania was their best option at that spot, you'd see him more than you're seeing him right now. Now, that's not a knock on Isaiah Satania. It's not a knock on him at all. It means he's a redshirt freshman, and he's still learning. You know, Malik Neighbors, fast guy. But what Malik Neighbors is, is is a, uh, I mean, he's an experienced guy. He's been around the block. He's played against the best defenses in college football. It's not his first time out there. But I also think, too, that you know, we don't see what goes on Monday through Thursday. We don't see that. We don't see how someone practices. And, you know, Coach Pittman said this many times, and I've heard many other coaches say it. If it happens in practice, it'll happen in the game. You know, good and bad. Your practice will go to the game. And, you know, I think those are things that they see during the week that we don't see during the week. And I don't think there's anything wrong with Isaiah Satania at all. And I don't think there's anything wrong with the way they're utilizing him right now. They will utilize him more as we go. And I know the first time he catches a pass, people are going to go, see, see, see. Um, But you've got to be able to do that every day before you're going to be trusted to do it in a game. And that's, again, that's not a knock on the kid. It's being a redshirt freshman. It's just being a redshirt freshman. That's all that it is. His day's going to come. He's going to have great moments as a Razorback, but we're not there yet. Yeah, players decide who play. We we talk about that all the time, and it's not just earning Dan Enos or Sam Pittman's confidence. It's also earning the confidence of your teammates, in particular KJ Jefferson. I mean, you're you're right. There's so much more that goes into it than just the one or two plays on a Saturday we focus on. Um, but the players ultimately decide who gets and these these targets and these reps. Listen, there's some truth and merit to that, but we all have played with a guy growing up in high school or middle school. Some of you were lucky enough to play college ball. That wasn't the best practice player. For whatever reason, he didn't showcase himself at practice. But when those lights came on, didn't matter. Didn't but matter. you don't know if he's like that or not. And, and, and the reason that we're clamoring for him, and I say we're you know collectively as a fan base, is because of the speed. It's because of the speed. But, guys, he's not the only fast player we have. I mean, and the guys that are out there playing right now, pretty fast. Yeah, It's also the fact that he played at Fayetteville High School. He's an uh, in-state no kid yeah, that no also question. gets people really wanting to see and him look, play. And, look, I'm, I'm, I'm 10,000% for Isaiah Satania. Met him, great kid. I mean, you, you, you know, you'd want your kid to be just like him. I'm not worried about all this at all. He's going to be fine, and this situation's going to be fine. Reps and experience will take care of this. 
Well, I'll tell you, I wasn't impressed. We're talking about, again, Luke has as a true freshman. I thought Jalen Braxton also as a true freshman. I mean, there was a time or two he got left on an island with Malik Neighbors or, or Brian is it Thomas or Robertson. I'm forgetting the name. Brian but, Thomas. Uh, yeah, Thomas. And he made some plays as well. So that was encouraging to see. But it, it was unique. So I'm sitting there in the press box and former Razorback tied in Mackey Award winner DJ Williams is next to me. So I'm asking him different things. DJ didn't even start as a freshman. Now, he played a little bit, but he just kept like shaking his head. It's like, man, this kid just keeps making plays. And I think about you brought it up leading up to this week, Chuck, how they're going to utilize him more. That's just touch, such a tough situation for a defense when you have to respect K.J. Jefferson, the running back. You don't know if Haz is going to block or not. And then he gets out in the flats and made a couple plays on Saturday night. Oh, Haz is a player. He can he can do it, and he'll be an integral part of everything they do going forward. Unless something changes, he could well be on his way to being a freshman All-American. They keep throwing the ball, oh, he's going to have the stats to, to back oh. that up. I think he's already a freshman All-American. Would you trade him for any freshman tight end in the country? I wouldn't. Not that I've seen. Nope. He can play. What you guys think of the secondary from Arkansas this weekend? I mean, quite a challenge with neighbors. I, I thought early Arkansas was fortunate to have the I think Singletary's in coverage. The ball bounces off the helmet. There was a, a breakup that was kind of at the end. I had a couple Braxton. plays that really, really go your way, but uh, I thought by and large early, they really kept LSU at bay. Daniels was off at the beginning of the game. I mean, he had some terrible throws that LSU fans were, were questioning at this point. That was partially due to Arkansas getting pressure with four. What happened was in the second half, they didn't get any pressure. I mean, you can't you can't ask whether it's Singletary, McLaughlin, Clark, whoever to guard the best one-two punch in the SEC if the defensive line's got getting pressure. So if Williams was in a situation where if I blitz, I'm leaving guys on an island against some of the best quarterbacks or, or wide receivers in the SEC in all of college football. But if I don't blitz, Daniels is going to have all day to throw, which he did. The defensive line did not do any service to the secondary in that second half because they didn't get to Daniels at all. Well, not the way maybe they did early. I, I mean, I, uh, um, I mean, I give LSU a certain amount of credit for that. And but you know, you're right. I, I mean, Daniels, I mean, he was effective, and you, uh, you know, you better make him uncomfortable. And they weren't able to do that as much as they wanted. All right, let's talk to Ryan, who's in Hot Springs on the McLarty Daniel Hotline. Ryan, welcome into the program. I was thinking about something while y'all were talking about the Titania thing. You know that that uh, the spring game may have been for this fan base may have been kind of may have actually been kind of a detriment for him because you know everybody said the, the biggest highlight was Titania running right down the middle of the field and caught that big touchdown uh, catch. And you know that, that's the last thing we saw before football started. So that happens, and now and then we're three games in or four games in, and the only game you know the only time we've seen him has been on kickoff. So that's. That probably hadn't helped that situation either. Uh, that's just I just thought I w- wanted to point that out a little bit too. Um, but uh, you know, really though, uh, you know, a lot of fans are kind of upset where we're at so far. But I feel like, with the exception of the BYU, BYU loss, we're we're pretty much right on schedule. We've just got to find somewhere else to make that game up at. And I still think this this team has still got a lot. You know, can have a lot of success this season. I, I was uh, very, uh, I was pleased with it, what, what the offense did against that LSU front. Uh, front. Uh, just because we struggled in the end zone against LSU doesn't mean we're going to struggle against A&M or Ole Miss on, on the goal line. I just, I just that's just a, a testament to how good that front is with Harold Perkins. Uh, that's my thoughts. I hope you all have a great day and go Hogs. I do want to point one thing out. Um, I think that as a fan base this morning, 
we are back to the point where we feel like we got a chance to win every game that's still out there. I don't know if after the BYU game a week ago Monday, people felt that way. Um, I think this game Saturday night restored the belief that this is a good football team. Now, how many games they're going to win? Because there's going to be a lot of close ones, fellas. I mean, we are not done with the field goal games. There's going to be a lot of close ones. I think people still wonder how many of those can we actually win. But I don't think anybody this morning feels like we got no chance against A&M. We got no chance against Ole Miss or Alabama or Auburn or Mississippi State or Missouri or the teams that are left out there. I do think Saturday night's game restored the belief that this team can still win football games. You mentioned, again, the field goal game aspect. Cam was perfect on Saturday night. Max Fletcher responded with, of course, that fake field goal, had a 50-plus yard punt. Special teams, while it was one of the reasons you lost this past weekend, was actually a help rather than a hindrance on Saturday night. You've got to win that battle moving forward like you did on Saturday with their well, close games. Field goal games aren't just about kicking field goals. Field goal games are about third down conversions, how you do in the red zone. That's what dictates field goal games. Now, you, you know, you're either going to make it or you're not going to make it if you're the kicker. But getting in that position is what turns it into a field goal game. And I think we're going to have games as we move forward, maybe more than a couple, that we find ourselves in that situation. Looking back, what turned it into a field goal game? Why was it a field goal game? I think that's going to dominate a lot of this, of, of, of the discussion going forward because I just think that's what we're in store for. I may be wrong, but that's my take right now. The field goal at the end was what decided the matter. We haven't talked about end-of-game strategy uh, in a couple hours now, so let's get back to that. Uh, a lot of people have an opinion, Chuck. It's a rare set of circumstances. And uh, here's what Sam Pittman said after the game about you know letting them score or not letting them score. Did I think about letting them score? Yes, but I don't think they would have. And we talked about it because I was out of timeout. And then I decided to come all out and try to jar a fumble. So we went after them in those last plays. Could we have let them score? Absolutely. We talked about it. I thought our chances would be better off at that point with no timeouts, trying to jar it loose and or block or miss a field goal. Now, I'm not convinced he, that LSU was going to score even if you had let them. Yeah, that's the point. I, I mean, basically what he's saying there is, you know, you're damned if you do and damned if you don't. Um, none, of the, because, none of the options were good. Let's yeah, be honest. Just, just, you know, people say let them score. Well, you're assuming they're going to go score. And Brian Kelly took that timeout, and I thought it was a good timeout. It was almost basketball-like in an end-of-the-game situation when he ran down the sideline. And I promise you they went over every situation right there. And one of them was don't let them drag into the end zone. Don't score. Don't run to the one-yard line and take a knee. Get to the middle of the field and take a knee. Um, those are situations that come up, and I thought he took a good timeout, and they did exactly what they needed to do. But – I don't disagree with what Arkansas did at all. This podcast has been presented by Bet Online. This podcast is an exclusive property of Pearson Broadcasting. It may not be copied, reproduced, modified, published, uploaded, reposted, transmitted, or distributed in any way without Pearson Broadcasting's prior written consent. Subscribe to the Hit That Line Podcast Network, the best podcast in the natty state. Just search Hit That Line wherever you listen to podcasts. 
Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.